Hi everyone, I hope you are well. Today I am bringing you something different on the podcast for episode number 53. I thought that some of you might like to get an idea of what goes on inside of the Lose Weight Live Life Academy and so I am bringing you a special podcast episode which is a cool replay from inside the Lose Weight Live Life membership. Right now in the membership we have two live calls each week. One is a live group coaching and Q&A call where you have the opportunity to show up and get coached and ask me questions on any topic that you would like help with, both weight loss related and life coaching related. And then the other call each week is a topic focused call. And it's one of these calls that I'm pleased to share with you today. And today's call is the replay of a call that took place in July, all about thought obstacles. Welcome to the Lose Weight, Live Life podcast. If you're a female professional or entrepreneur who would do anything to lose weight, yet finds it impossible to stick to a diet, to eat less, or just what you think you should, this podcast is for you. I am your host, certified life and weight coach, Claire McKenzie. Listen in to learn how to stop overeating, lose weight for the last time, and create a relationship with food and yourself that you love all without diet deprivation and self-sabotage. So this is a topic focus class and today I'm talking to you all about weight loss obstacles and strategies. Really looking forward to talking to you about this topic, this area. I really like the way that we look at things here. If you are new, then this is a webinar style call. Um, You can see and hear me. I can't see and hear you. So you don't need to worry too much about what you're doing, but I would encourage you to give this call your attention. There is a Q&A box at the bottom of your screen. Please use that. Ask me questions at any point at all. If any questions come to mind as I'm talking, just pop them into the Q&A box. I'll either respond to them right away or at an appropriate point, I'll stop and sort of see who's asking what questions at the end of the call if we've got time you are very welcome to come on and get coached live on the topic of what we're talking about in this call which is quite generic so actually you can probably ask me questions about anything and we can apply what we're learning about today the way that works is that you can click on the little hand icon and that will let me know that you want to come on and have a live conversation with me and then I bring you on live we have a coaching conversation um, and it's just much more fluid and I can sort of coach you more easily that way than I can if I'm just um, answering your questions inside the Q&A. But great to have you here today. Also, just to let you know, this is the first of two calls that we've got today. We also have a live um, Q&A coaching call this evening as well, which is where you just get to show up and just ask me anything that you would like to get help and support on. But for right now, let's dive in and talk about all about obstacles and strategies. Um, And I'm sort of going to talk, in addition to talking about specifically obstacles and strategies, I'm going to cover goal setting, Um, And I'm going to talk about a continual process of learning and changing things and improving. And I'm also going to talk about failing as well, because that's a really important and useful part of your journey that I don't want you to um, shy away from. It's an old fashioned phrase, isn't it? I want you to very much see um, failing and learning as something that are really, really important. And you cannot create relationship with food that you want without failing as a part of this journey. So rather than sort of seeing this as the old on-off diet mentality, where it's either working or it's not working, all you're doing with this is either um, applying what you're, work, what you're learning in a way that is working for you, 
or you're learning. You're learning both ways, ultimately, but um, you're never, ever um, off track or something's not working. It's always going to be useful and valuable. So I want you to ask yourself, are you clear on your goals for this program and how do you feel about them? How do you feel about, you know, do you want to set yourself you know, a metric goal in terms of the number on the scale? Is this all about healthy eating and being healthier in your body? Is this about reducing your risk of type two diabetes or maybe um, pushing it into, um, you know, reversing it or into regression? Is this about um, having more energy? Is this about sleeping better? Is this about being able to go out and wear whatever clothes you want to wear? Your goals, your objectives for this program, um, it doesn't matter what they are. There's no better goals. There's no more worthy goals. Your goals can be whatever you want them to be. Um, the reason that you will want the goals that you want to have, though, it's always useful to know, it's because of how you think you will feel when you achieve them. And whether that is the number on the scale, whether that is your physical health, um, whether it's your emotional health, whatever it is that you're looking to achieve, ultimately, it's about what you think or how you think you will feel when you achieve it that is the reason you want it. And that's just useful to know and be aware of. So there's no more valid or worthy goals in terms of number on the scale versus a better relationship with food and healthier eating. We can both have the same goals. Two people can have the same goals and have very different thoughts and feelings about it. It's the thoughts and feelings that are more meaningful than the actual goal that you set yourself. Okay, setting goals in and of itself is useful in giving you direction and it also creates deliberate focus for your brain. And it helps you to see what obstacles and challenges come up for you. So unless you've got a goal in mind, it's more difficult if you haven't got a goal in mind to see what what's going to get in the way you need. You want to know where you're headed in order to be able to help yourself find out what is going to get in your way. OK, so we want to concentrate on the goal. We want to allow ourselves to see what comes up when we set that goal. Where do you have resistance? Where do you have fear? Where do you have doubt? Where do you have disbelief? Where do you lack motivation? Notice what comes up for you. So really the purpose of setting a goal is to both give yourself direction and help you see everything that comes up for you as a part of setting it. Do you tell yourself you can't do it? Do you tell yourself it's going to be too difficult? It's going to take too long. You've not got enough time for all of these things. We want to find out everything that are these thoughts going on below the surface that come up for you when you set your goal. The other thing I want you to know about goal setting is it's not all about achieving the goal. So yes, of course, you want to achieve your goal, but you don't need to wait until you've got to your goal in order to have had the process of goal setting to be extremely valuable. Whenever you set goals and start to work towards achieving it, you're going to get what we call strategic byproducts. There's a, a life coach or another coach, sort of a US coach called Dan Sullivan. And very much he talks about the process of working to achieve a goal of being valuable in and of itself. And so that's something I, I want you to think about as well. It's not the achieving of the goal. That is it's all about it's on your way to achieving the goal, the learning that you have, the confidence that you build in your own abilities, the, the new tools and techniques and skills that you adopt along the way are also incredibly useful and incredibly valuable. Okay. Now, on your way to achieving your goal, I also want you to consider that you have to do things. You have to do what we call take action. Now, um, 
some of the things that I'm talking about here, we will talk more about in August when we're going to be talking about the mindset model, because different parts of the mindset model model fit very well with this process of setting and achieving goals and obstacles and strategies coming up. It all interlinks, it all ties in together. And one of the lines on the mindset model is called the action line, and that can be action or inaction or reaction. But ultimately, if you want to achieve something new in your life, you need to do things differently in order to achieve the goal, um, or you need to stop doing things in order to achieve the goal. So it's like we might want to stop you know, eating a pack of biscuits every night when we sit down and watch television, if that's something that we're doing as a way to helping us achieve that goal. We might want to eat more fruit and vegetables and, um, you know, nuts and grains. We might want to expand the variety of the foods that we're eating on way to helping us achieve that goal. There's going to be lots of things, we call it taking action, that will help us achieve our goal. And sometimes that action involves stop doing things and as well as doing things. And Sometimes we take action. What we tend to do is we tend to, sometimes we say we try things and then we tell ourselves it doesn't work and then we give up. But the way in which I want you to think about taking action as a part of your weight loss journey is that you keep taking action and you keep learning from what works and what doesn't work and you keep reiterating and re of having another go at it you keep learning so it's called a growth mindset until you achieve your goal so the only thing that's ever you're ever doing is sort of continuing to you're never sort of giving up you're never quitting now you might have what we call lots of like little quits along the way these might be times where life throws you a curveball and so you sort of lose focus for a bit or you go on holiday or other things come up and you'll have lifestyle changes that make things more difficult but that doesn't necessarily mean you quit. You only really ever quit if you decide, actually, I don't want to have the relationship with food that I want. I don't want to be a different weight to what I want to be. I'm not going to change. I would prefer to stay as I am right now rather than work at um, having things more how I want them to be. So we're always just continually moving forward on our journey unless we take a really conscious decision to quit and give up. But a lot of people think that they have given up or failed when really they just sort of, they're just pausing before maybe moving forward or exploring something different. And I just want to think um, if you sort of find yourself pausing at any point on your journey, just think how long do I want to pause for? What do I want to learn from what just happened? How can I move forward? We want to get out of this idea that when we think something's gone wrong or hasn't worked, it means we should give up because that just is not the case. But also in talking about massive action, I want you to be thinking about difference between passive learning and active learning. Passive learning looks like you maybe showing up to the calls, maybe watching on replay, listening to everything that I'm talking to you about, thinking about it, and maybe even thinking, oh, that makes sense. I really want to do that, but not actually applying it to your life. Active learning is where you are consciously doing the things that I'm suggesting you do or figuring out what you want to do for yourself and doing those things and seeing what happens and evaluating, learning from it, and then moving forward. It really is all about applying what you learn to your life. It's the only way for you to take active action rather than passive action. Okay, so then let's talk about these obstacles that are the focus of this call. Anytime you set a goal, there are going to be obstacles that come up as you go about achieving it. And if there weren't any obstacles, you would already have what it is that you want. So if you want to be a lower number on the scales, different clothes size, or you want to 
um, have eat, be eating healthier foods, if there weren't things getting in the way, if there weren't obstacles, you would have it already because it's something that you want. And so there's always going to be reasons why it's difficult to have that. And we can call these challenges, we can call them obstacles. Now, the great thing about obstacles is that you can use each obstacle as a strategy to help you reach your goal. So first of all, you really want to know what your obstacles are. Now, sometimes when it comes to weight loss and our relationship with food and our eating, there's a lot of what I might call mind drama, and that's not to belittle it, but there's a lot of thoughts and feelings that we also have about our relationship with ourselves. And I can relate to this a lot. When I was you know, morbidly obese, when I had lost and regained my weight a number of times, I didn't only feel intense shame at the weight that I was. I felt intense shame at my inability to solve it for myself, at having been morbidly obese for so many years, even of having lost all my weight and then regained it. I felt so much regret and shame around that. It was really um, an, an obstacle in it and of itself because it meant that I didn't really want to look at what was going on for me because it was incredibly uncomfortable because I felt the shame, but I didn't need to feel the shame. The shame was optional. And we can talk about you know, different feelings and emotions and what causes them. And the way in which I was able to step away from my shame is that I learned to think differently about what was going on for me. When I understood what was happening in my brain and in my body, I was able to allow it to be okay that I hadn't figured it out, allow it to be okay I'd lost weight and regained it, and not and that helped me not to feel the shame. And that helped me, it's like an obstacle that I overcame that helped me to move forward because then I was more open to explore what was going on for me. Other times, um, rather than changing my thinking around the shame, I can just allow myself to feel the shame and carry on regardless. And we can talk more about that. That's probably a topic for a different call. But essentially, we want to know what our obstacles are. We want to know what the challenges are, what's difficult for us so that we can put strategies in place. And this is why I want to talk to you about the different types of obstacles that come up. And I want you to think about whether your obstacles, your challenges are fact obstacles we might call them circumstance obstacles in fact the more I talk about this the more I realize this is a great pre-call for talking about the weight loss mindset model work we're going to be doing next month so you're going to have circumstantial obstacles you're going to have thought obstacles and you're going to have feeling obstacles okay so let's think about a different example of each of those and oftentimes we think our obstacles or what's challenging for us are circumstantial obstacles and then it's really useful to look at the different where that the fact part of that starts and finishes and where our thought starts and finishes. So one of the things that you might notice is um, that, I'm trying to think what obstacles, maybe you haven't got time. So maybe you are going to work and you haven't got time to make yourself lunch in the morning and you there's no shops close by to where you work where you can get a healthy salad and so you notice that lunches when you're working are really difficult for you to have something healthy and the obstacle is that you haven't got time and there's no shops close by that sell healthy salads for example I'm just making this up as I go along now you may think that thinking that you've got no time is a factual obstacle and but that will always be a thought obstacle we can make it a factual obstacle by actually thinking about you know what's going on in your day and be very specific about that but it's the thought that you've not got time that is causing you the challenge there and it's really useful to know that because of course everyone has 24 hours within a day so everyone has the same amount of time everyone gets to choose how they spend that time we're very used in the world in which we live today to believe that how we spend our time isn't a choice and we have to do all of these things and 
again, we can look at that at a different time. But knowing what to focus on when it comes to your obstacles, you're always going to be curious about, okay, what's the facts of the situation here? And what are my thoughts about it? Another one may be that my family doesn't like to eat foods that I want to eat in order to lose weight and be health um, and breaking that down into like okay what are the actual facts here and what are my thoughts about it the facts might be that you know your son or daughter said oh I don't want to eat this x y and z and then you have thoughts about it which are, might be something like oh I can't have that because my family doesn't want to eat those foods and I don't want to prepare another meal or something like that but those are all thoughts on top of the original circumstantial challenge okay so i just want you to be really curious about what your obstacles are and be aware of what the facts of the, that are and what the thoughts are and there might be some feelings there as well so so one of some other thought obstacles might come up is that you have a desire to eat sweet sugary foods and this is one that if you've been eating sweet sugary foods have been featuring in your diet regularly then you probably have got over desire to eat them because of how our body and our brain responds to those foods and just knowing that so knowing that you have an over desire to eat those foods maybe you find it very difficult to resist um, having biscuits with your morning coffee having dessert if you go out for a meal all of those things these are what we might want to put as obstacles it's something that you're going to want to overcome as a part of your weight loss journey it's something you're going to want to figure out now that's not to say that i'm suggesting that you should always choose not to have those things but you're going to want to figure out strategies to get the balance right for you that enables you to have the relationship with food that you want and be the weight on the scale that you want to be whilst you're continuing to manage that desire for sugar in a way in which you want to manage it. You might think that, you might notice you feel deprived. This is something that often I think has a hangover, diet mentality hangover. We think that when we are going to eat all of these healthy foods and we tell ourselves that we can't have other foods, notice I tell, we, we tell ourselves that's not true. You can always have what you want. You're just going to have to look at what the outcome or the result is for that. If you're noticing you're feeling deprived, that's a sort of a feeling obstacle. You're going to want to put strategies in place so that you don't feel deprived. All of this, by the way, is work that we do inside of the Lose Weight Live Life Academy. This is what the program is designed to do. It's designed to address all of these things. So the purpose of this call is to not help you figure all of this out. The purpose of this call is to simply help you to start thinking about identifying what the obstacles are, identifying the different parts of the obstacle in terms of what's factual, what's your thoughts about it, and how when you think that way do you feel, so that you can start to put strategies in place. Because so oftentimes we feel stuck, we think something's not working, but we don't start to look at, okay, what is the, what is the problem here? What is the challenge? What is making this so difficult for me? And we want to really identify what those are so that then we can start to put strategies in place. If you get in from work and you feel exhausted, I was talking to somebody about this, I'm trying to think what it was. Yes, it was on the graduate mastermind call last night that, you know, when she's had a really hard, hard, long day, getting in from work, maybe 8, 8.30 at night, opens the fridge, she's got her food plan. I don't, don't want to have to cook that meal. I don't want to have what's on my food plan. I want to have something that feels comforting, that feels like a treat, that's quick and easy. I haven't got anything left to give. Okay. So, seeing all of that we're so used to seeing all of that and not being able to think of a way around it but what I want you to do is to really identify what is going on there so that we can start to put strategies in place to help you with all of that if you've got any questions at all about any of this then please do ask it would be great
Okay, so um, so we might have other thoughts. I love food too much. I don't believe I can change. This is one that comes up an awful lot. So believing that you don't think you can change in and of itself is an obstacle. You want to have a, put a strategy in place to override that belief. Now, it's a really, if you think that, don't think, oh my gosh. So that's the other thing is we start to judge our thoughts. If we, we sometimes we can be aware. So as soon as you're aware that what you're thinking and what you're believing is going to impact how likely you are to achieve the success that you want, the changes that you want. As soon as you then start to notice that you believe you can't do it, what then tends to happen is we like panic and then we're like, oh God, I don't want to, I don't want to think that. I don't want to believe that because I know that thinking and believing that is making it more difficult for me. But it's okay. I want you to know that it's okay. It's really normal to either think you can't change your relationship with food, that you can't lose your weight for the last time, that you have doubt, all of those things. And I want you to allow yourself to see those fears with compassion and with curiosity so that you can start to explore them. And then you can start to put strategies in place for you that if you can hear my dogs barking another one my partner brings biscuits and chocolates into the house and eats them in front of me okay how many people have um you know challenges obstacles that involve other people when it comes to your weight loss journey and your relationship with food whether that's your partner wanting different food your kids wanting different food your kids or partner eating foods in front of you maybe they want to have a drink of an evening and they want you to join in and have a drink with them or they say it's you're no fun if you anymore if when you're you know maybe they still sort of think of this as dieting you're no fun when you're on a diet when we have things like that we think the problem is because of what our partner said to us and i want you to always look at okay what your partner said he says you're no fun when you're eating like this or you're on a diet that is absolutely the fact of the situation but what do you then think about it when he says that how do you feel do you feel like misunderstood do you feel unsupported and what I want you to ask yourself is what is it about him saying those words that makes me feel misunderstood or unsupported and find your thoughts about it which are probably just he should support me more he doesn't understand he doesn't care he doesn't know what it's like, all of these sorts of things. And these are all thoughts. And the good news, of course, about thoughts is once we're aware of them, we can look to understand them and then we can change them to help us to feel better, to make it easier to move forward on our weight loss journey. Okay, so we're talking about all of these different types of obstacles. Other obstacles might just be thoughts or facts, depending on what we think about it. Um, you know, my parents were very overweight. It's in my genes. It's genetic. It's my time of life. I'm perimenopausal or menopausal. Now, again, if you're perimenopausal or menopausal, depending on, on what's been officially diagnosed, all of us, sometimes it might be a thought, but more often it would be a fact. Let's assume that is a fact that you are perimenopausal or you are, you are menopausal. But thinking it's more difficult for me because I'm menopausal or perimenopausal is a thought. Um, of course, there's lots of evidence to suggest that it is, we tend to gain weight more easily at that stage in life. It's more difficult to lose weight in at that stage in life but you could also choose to think um, I'm at a stage in life where I have more time for me than I did when the kids were younger so it's going to be easier for me now to create the relationship with food that I want now I know they're not directly related but see how when you think when you focus on thinking one way you're going to feel more motivated you're going to start to believe that you can do it whereas if you're thinking I'm perimenopausal everyone gains weight there's no hope all of those sorts of things and it makes it more difficult and when you think everyone gains weight during the menopause or when post that's true not everyone gains weight yes a portion of people do but not everyone so let's just keep a check on our brain when it wants to make these mass general generalizations 
maybe you've got PCOS and maybe that makes it, or you've got a thyroid condition. And then you have thoughts like it makes it more difficult for me to lose weight. When you think that way, how do you feel? Do you feel deflated? Do you feel defeated? When you think, yeah, I've got PCOS and I know that this, this and this person also have PCOS and they created the relationship with food that they wanted. They learned to eat in a way that enabled them to manage their weight for life. You feel more capable. You feel more empowered. So just want you to be thinking and note that the first step before I want you, before you changing how you're thinking, I want you just to be really aware of the dialogue in your head. So thoughts are sentences in your mind. Okay, it's like the sometimes it's the background chatter, sometimes it's the narrative in your head. Some people almost like see thoughts in pictures. I want you to start to be aware of this chatter in your mind, these thoughts in your head. Many of them will be below your level of consciousness. We have so many thoughts throughout our day, thousands and thousands that we're not aware of each of them because otherwise it would drive us crazy. But I want you to start to allow some of these thoughts about your relationship with food and eating and yourself to come to the surface so that you can start to see what's going on for you there. Lots of other thoughts. I just don't like salad and fruit and vegetables. That one comes up a lot. I can't not have something sweet for breakfast. I want to be spontaneous in what I choose to eat. I just want to eat like a normal person. All of these are thoughts that are also potentially causing you obstacles or related to obstacles on your weight loss journey. Okay, so as I said, Allow yourself to hear these thoughts. I encourage you to write them down on paper. When you write them down on paper, you're getting them out of your head. You can have a more objective view of them. You can have that sort of more sort of step back approach and sort of see them for what they are rather than be in them and feeling them. But when you set yourself, I also want you to consider is that when you set yourself these weight loss goals, when you think about what you want to be different, and I want you to allow your brain to whine and complain and make excuses. What are all the reasons it's difficult for you? Why is this so hard for you? What makes it worse for you? What challenges do you have in your life that make this more difficult for you than they do for other people? When you notice that other people are having successes, what does your brain tell you when they're comparing and despairing? Because that's what our brain does. What does it tell you about what well, it's okay for? I mean, mine used to be, well, it's okay for her. She's not working. She's, she's not working full time when raising a family. If I only, I wasn't working full time, I would have more time for me, I would be able to do this. That's what I used to tell myself. So what what little whines do you have? I want you to allow yourself compassionately be kind to yourself, allow your brain to have these whines and complaints and make excuses, give your brain the airtime it wants to be heard, because all of this is going to help you understand what is going on for you so that you can start to put strategies in place. Okay. So as I said, once you have got all of this down on paper, um, you're going to start to put um, strategies in place to overcome each and every one of them. So you're going to do this thought download. So I'd love you to approach this, get it all down on paper, break all of these little itty bits up into as many different pieces as possible. Short, simple statements, very specific circumstances or notice your feelings, demotivated, deprived, despondent frustrated, uh, shame, what emotions come up as a part of this, identify all of those as well. And then you can start to put strategies in place for all of them. And yes, you can put strategies in place for thoughts that are causing things to be more difficult and feelings that aren't helping you, as well as the circumstantial things. Okay. So for example, let me give you some examples here. If you 
notice that you crave sugary foods, there are so many strategies you can put in place to help you overcome that. And I always like to think of strategies like that is that there's always going to be a three sort of three tiered approach. One, one of those, one strategy might be to allow yourself to feel the desire for those foods without responding. That membership is work that we do inside of the program. How do you feel desire without using willpower to resist it and without responding to it with eating, which are the two things that we generally tend to do. How can you learn to allow yourself to feel that desire and to get comfortable feeling it in your body without doing anything and start to learn and trust that actually that desire, that desire to eat those foods will dissipate and go away all by itself without you needing to do anything. That is a skill that you can learn. Other things that you can do are right, you know, remind yourself why you don't want to eat these sugary foods that you're telling yourself you crave. When you start to see firsthand, when you start to access information about why you don't want to have them really, really easily, and that's something that takes practice, your craving for them, the desire for them is going to reduce. When you start to experience how much better maybe you feel, how much more energy you've got, how much less inflamed you are, how much less hungry you are when you're not having sugary foods regularly you're going to start to desire them less you're not going to want them because you're going to start to be thinking about them differently another one might be my friends always indulge when we go out for dinner and I feel deprived so you've got the circumstances going out for dinner with friends your thought is my friends always indulge sort of why can't I maybe then indulge and they're not overweight and so you think it's not fair or you feel deprived um, and the strategies you can put in place for this so one of them might be ordering um, just looking at the menu ahead of time so you decide what you want at least 24 hours in advance um, you might decide that you will drive and not drink because you know that you feel more deprived or you feel um, when you're having a drink and then you can't eat maybe you find that you um, you're you just end up eating more of what you don't want when you've had a drink or something that I can relate to. And, may, and also maybe you just remind yourself that you can choose whatever you want. If you want to go out for dinner and eat everything that your friends are eating, can you get to choose and you will, you get to decide how you want to think and feel about what happens afterwards, whether you gain weight on the scales. It's absolutely fine. As long as you know that ahead of time, that that might be what you're what's happening and of course if you go out for a meal then very often we're eating differently we just retain more water the numbers on the scale go up we've not gained extra weight it's just a bit of extra water that our body's holding on to and it will come right off again you get to choose every single time I'm talking a lot and everyone's being really quiet. So I hope you're still with me. If you've got any questions about anything that I'm talking about here at all, please do ask me as I am continuing to talk. I was going to put two more points I want to mention to you. And then if you would like to raise your hand and come on and get coached, you're very welcome to do that as well. So the other thing that I want you to think about as you are noticing these obstacles, you're noticing what's coming up for you and you're putting strategies in place to overcome them, to create a relationship with food that you want. You're going to be having a continual process process of looking at what is working so I always want you to be thinking about what's working what's not working what have I learned what do I want to do differently I've, and we're really bad at noticing what's working we always tend to focus on what's not what what's not working I want you to put as much um, effort into identifying what is working 
as you are into what's not working. So if you're doing a daily journaling practice, if you're sort of reflecting back on your week, whatever it is that's going on for you, we always tend to focus on what's not working. The reason I want you to focus on what is working is because I want you to really reinforce what is working. I want you to be consciously noticing and telling yourself and congratulating yourself for that because it's going to make it easier to embed all of those things as a habit. So you're going to be noticing what's what not work. So what is working? Then I want you to notice what's not working. What didn't work for me this week? Maybe it was the food shop that you did. Maybe it was thinking you would prepare those packed lunches before you went to work in the morning, but actually when it came to it, you didn't. And so that didn't, that plan didn't work, or at least the plan didn't work with the thoughts and feelings that you had in place for it. So you want to have a different strategy for what you're going to do next week. So it's all about this process of allowing yourself to see what's not working so that you can put new strategies in place or improvement strategies in place to try something different and something new. And it's a continual process of noticing what's not working, noticing what you want to do differently, try it, evaluate it, learn, try it, evaluate it, all of these things. Now, what I want you to also know is that failure is how you build the skill and strength that is required to help you achieve your goals. If you work at eating in such a way that will enable you to get to the weight that you want to be without failing along the way, you will not have, you will miss you will have missed out on all of the learning. So I would suggest you will not have created the relationship with food that you want. Only way I think that you can create the relationship with food that you want is by failing your way to getting there. Is by having it work for a bit, messing, having it not work for a bit, having this thing that works, that thing that doesn't work, gaining a bit of weight, losing a bit of weight, gaining a bit of weight, having a plateau, losing a bit of weight, you are going to be learning so much more. It's going to help you um, maintain that weight loss for life, have the relationship with food that you want. than if you are just always doing everything right, say doing it right or eating according to how you've planned or eating in such a way that enables you to lose weight. Yes, it is possible to create a relationship with food through that, but it's more the exception than the norm. Sort of failing your way there in a really messy way is by far the more typical journey and approach and does not by any means mean that you're doing it wrong or you're doing it any way differently to how you should be doing it. So thinking of a baby learning to walk, they learn to walk by failing, falling down over and over and over again. Falling down enables their body to learn how to balance, to create muscle memory, and also importantly, muscle strength and stamina as they push themselves back up again. And they do this over and over and over until they can walk. And they never think, oh my gosh, well, I've fallen down 50 times. I'm never going to do this. I'm going to give up. It just doesn't happen. Okay. So I really want you to think about that baby learning to walk on your weight loss journey. Okay. Remember that baby will never give up. They will just continue learning and practicing and building their strength and their skill and their stamina and their flexibility. And they want you to be doing the same on your weight loss journey. Okay. So choose failure as, you know, see failure as something as positive, something that is useful for you to learn from. I want you to be willing to fail on your way to achieving and reaching your goals. All right. Oh, and the one thing I was, this also came up on our mastermind call last night as well, which is, I can't remember why we're we're thinking about this. We were talking about um, the difference between having a weight on the scale focused result rather than the result of thinking about how you wanting maybe wanting to eat during the week so thinking about all of the small things about having um, a goal of planning your food eating what you've planned doing the evaluation 
noticing what comes up when you want to eat differently, learning from that, doing all of that work and being really focused on that rather than focusing on whether or not the number on the scales on the Friday or the Monday is lower. And what it reminded me of is the miracle equation by Hal Elrod. You may have heard, um, I think, I don't know if his first, but one of his earlier books was The Miracle Morning. And then more recently, he wrote a book, Miracle Equation. I think that came out a couple of years ago. And The Miracle Equation is this idea that what you need in order to create miracles or the results that you want in your life to achieve these amazing goals, amazing results, is you are going to want to have unwavering faith and make extraordinary effort. And I just wanted to mention that here because I think that's something really useful for you to be thinking about. As you're thinking about your obstacles and your strategies, I want you to also have at the back of your mind this idea of unwavering faith and extraordinary effort and think about what that may mean for you. And if you know that you don't have unwavering faith in your ability, first of all, I want you to know that you probably are one of the 100% of people thinking that and also know that you can put strategies in place to help you have more faith in your abilities, more belief that you can achieve the goals that you want, have the relationship with food that you want. Okay, so it looks like I've got a couple of questions. So thank you for posting those there. So Magdalena says, one of my obstacles is habitual eating, having something sweet at the end of every meal, even breakfast. Okay, so really good. So first of all, really good to be aware of that. Great that you know that that is there. So when we have done something over and over and over again, as you identify, it becomes habitual. When we're doing something habitual, we're really unaware of the thought creating the feeling that happens before we eat so it's almost like we go from I guess finishing the savory part of our meal to all of a sudden we've, we've devoured we've eaten we've ingested the sweet bit and we're unaware I'm always asking you to look for the thought and feeling in between and it's really hard to find that because it is so automated it's delegated to your lower level of consciousness so what you're going to want to do with this is really break the cycle. But before you do that, I really encourage you to increase your awareness. So when you notice, rather than try and change it, change it initially, when you finish your savory part of your meal, um, and you go for something sweet, don't tell yourself you can't have it, or you shouldn't or have something else. Just be curious, just start off with being curious about why you want it. It's going to feel a little bit like you might feel compelled, or urge or desire, but just allow yourself to just sit with it even for 30 seconds and notice that you're feeling that desire to have something sweet and be curious about what it feels like to want something sweet for 30 seconds before you have the sweet thing. Then I want you to know have the sweet food and observe yourself having it. And then I want you to observe how long afterwards that sort of changes or goes away, whatever it is for you there. And just sort of that whole sort of cycle, how long does that last from you know, finishing your meal to finishing the sweet bit. Is it two, three, four, five minutes? How long is it? And then it passes. Okay, so start off by just really observing what's going on for you and possibly writing it down. And then you can start to put different strategies in place. And the strategies might be some replacement strategies. So it might be that you decide you want to replace having something sweet. And I'm going to assume you're having something unhealthy and sweet because of course we can have healthy and sweet. So maybe you want to replace having something unhealthy and sweet with something healthy and sweet. Maybe you want to replace it with a drink of water. Maybe you want to get up and go for a walk, but try and find out to start off with what it is that is, is sweet is giving you. Is it, does it feel like a reward? Does it feel like a moment of escape? Just try and figure out what's going on for you there first. Okay. 
Lou doesn't always, sometimes it doesn't always tell me the whole of your name. It might be Lucy, I'm not sure. Says, I relate to all of those obstacles. Can you explain a few more strategies or explain how we identify them, please? Is there a module on it? I am good at identifying the limiting beliefs, feelings. Not sure what to do from there. Thank you. So it really is a case of um, looking at them one by one. It the All of the course is really about putting strategies in place for the different things, different obstacles that come up. So the work that we do on making decisions, the work that we do on planning, the work that we do on understanding mindset and thoughts and the work that we do on allowing feelings, um, the work that we do on your relationship with yourself and the work that we do on your relationship with your life that come later in the program. So all of that is really different strategies that will help you with different obstacles on your journey. But I think it is also useful as we're doing here to be sort of really aware of that. So literally start with one obstacle and look at that it's really difficult for me to explain if you explain a few more strategies without having the um without having the sort of the the obstacle that you've identified but once you if you want to bring that to another call if you want to post it in the facebook group you can absolutely do that let's get let's get really clear on the obstacles to start off with what are the facts what are your thoughts what are your feelings about this particular challenge this particular problem and then we can start to look at strategies there and there will always be multiple strategies and you can always like try something see if it works learn and then try something else so if you enjoyed that call and you would like weight loss mindset coaching support then you might like to know that when you enroll in the Lose Weight Live Life Mastermind this weekend, this is the bank holiday August weekend, you get an additional six months. So that will be a full 12 months membership for the Lose Weight Live Life Academy. That means that after you complete your six months of intensive weight loss support in the mastermind, you continue to get support through the academy as you put everything in practice that you learn. Spots are limited, so if you want to grab one, don't delay. Go to www.thebestyou.coach forward slash mastermind to find out more. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and are ready to live a more intentional life, lose weight as a part of that journey, and create a relationship with food and yourself that you love, then I would be honored to be your coach. There are two ways that you can work with me. You can join my monthly membership program, My One Life Academy, that gives you self-paced learning, supported by twice-weekly live calls, and a whole lot more. Or you can join the waiting list for my next six-month Lose Weight, Live Life, Group Coaching Mastermind Intensive. Go to www.thebestyou.coach forward slash coaching to find out all the details.